do we have a relationship that's worthwhile? Prioritize your relationship above everything else. It is irreplaceable and it is the most valuable thing that you have. When the relationship wins, you're, you're winning. Are you a six-figure household, but you're struggling to build wealth? Money isn't a problem, yet you don't have a financial strategy. You and your spouse just can't seem to get aligned, and it's holding you back. Welcome to Rad Money, the finance podcast for millennial married couples. We're Rebecca and Dylan. And our goal with this podcast is to help you stop arguing about money so you can start building real wealth. Because the world needs more good, wealthy people. Welcome to this week's episode of the Rad Money Podcast. Today, we're going to do, be doing something a little bit different. We're going to lean more into the relationship side of what we do today. Although there are a lot of financial lessons that we can glean from all of this. We'll pull those out along the way. Yeah. As we were going through, it becomes so obvious that your relationship and money are so interconnected. Yeah. And so as we were putting this together and thinking about how we've set our marriage up for success, things that we have done to prevent arguments and fights, they actually had a lot to do with money at the same time, which I think is pretty interesting. Or even just to enrich our relationship. Yeah. It has to do with money. Yeah. That's how you spend it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. But before we do get into that, just a quick reminder that we're two weeks away from our free event that we are formally inviting you to. We want you to be there. The seats are limited, however, so you do need to act fast. The event is on the 26th of September. So this is a workshop that we're running and it's all about building trust. If you want to deepen the level of trust that you have with your partner, if you feel like you're just having some issues maybe and um, managing money together, a lot of it could be rooted in some issues that revolve around trust. So we're going to be talking about that and sharing some things that you can do to deepen that trust so that you can build your relationship upon that. Right. So the Financial Foundation's Trust Building Workshop is Tuesday, September 26th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or 4 p.m. Pacific Time. And so there is a link in the show notes here. Click the link, sign up, and you'll get all the details for the event and you'll get the link so you won't miss out. Oh, and it's completely free. But with it being free, again, seats are limited. So do not wait. Go sign up. And with that, let's hop into today's topic, which like you said, Dylan, it's funny because we've been financial coaches for a while. We've been coaching couples for a while. So the, in this year, in 2023, at the beginning of the year, we decided to strictly focus on relationships, focus on married couples, because we felt like we had something really unique to bring to the table. We loved coaching our couple clients. And just as a married couple of financial coaches, it just made a lot of sense. Right. It put us in a unique position. And I think it is a little scary to go into the direction of only working with couples. We fought it for a while. We did. I mean, it kept coming back. But then at the same time, we were like, I don't know, that seems really scary. But I, I'm so glad we did it. Yeah. I always think about where do you want to get your help from? Do you want to get your help from a single individual about a relationship? Or do you want to get it from a married couple who are working hard to make sure that they preserve their relationship and do everything that possible to make sure that they have a good, healthy relationship. Yeah, I think it's very much along the lines of don't take financial advice from broke people and don't take relationship advice from people who you don't admire their relationship status, their relationship situation. So if really, I, I'm a big fan of saying don't take anybody's advice unless you're willing to trade places with them. Yeah, well, and I think that's exact. what you just said is exactly why it was scary to step into the the financial coaching just for couples because like, do we have a relationship that's worthwhile? 
is it something that people would want? And I, I mean, that's that like, was some of the imposter syndrome thoughts totally. for sure. Especially when we first started even talking about doing couple specific things. It was like We've under been five like years. Four, yeah, four years. And it just felt like we were so new in our relationship still. But now we're about to be coming up on our seven year wedding anniversary. Yep. And it's been almost 11 years that we've been together. And our relationship just keeps getting better every single year. But we're in the business of relationships now. And that means that our relationship is pretty relevant, but also our personal experience also helps inform how we help couples work through things. So as the coach, we're helping couples achieve things that we've already done for ourselves. Yes. And so it's really cool. Yeah. Right. And so looking back over the past 11 years, there have been a handful of things that we've either done intentionally or maybe just instinctually. But we're looking back now and we're saying these things are what really helped our marriage and set us up for success to avoid the arguments or make sure that we ran through things more smoothly. Yeah. And so like we want to like we're looking back now after being together 11 years, married for almost seven at this point, saying, what can we teach from our own relationship here? And so we've really bo boiled it down to about five things, actually not about five exact things that we've done. And we want to share a couple of stories as well along the way to really illustrate the principle or the idea behind these five different things. So whether you are single, engaged, or married, we really feel like these are some really powerful things for you to think about consciously as you maybe step into a new relationship or get more serious in the relationship that you're in or just want to improve the relationship that maybe you've been in for a really long time. Mm -hmm. It's not like you can't pick up these tools right now and get to work on your relationship. You can do all of these at any point in your marriage. I mean, people do recommitment ceremonies and things like that all of the time, and you just have to choose to do it. You just have to choose to to take the action right. and start dating your spouse again and things of that nature. But yeah, these are really great. And we're excited to share them with you. So yeah, let's look at that first one. Right. So the first one is working on the relationship before we needed to. And I think it kind of ties into what you were just saying is like, you can do this at any point in your relationship, any anywhere along the way. There's this BS comment that a good relationship doesn't need any work. I think that's an absolute lie and that will set your relationship up for failure because inevitably there will be a time where you need to actually put in the work. And so this statement, doing the work before you need to do the work, is being proactive. Which again, if you're a longtime listener, <laughs> you know that we are all about that proactive lifestyle. Yeah. So it shouldn't come as any surprise to you that it trickles into our marriage as well. But what do we mean by that? What do we mean by working on our marriage before we needed to? It meant identifying threats to our marriage early. It meant looking out at our lives and looking at the world and saying, what could get in the way of our relationship? What could hold us back? What are the things that maybe we're doing or that are in our lives that are going to make our relationship harder and set us up for failure, potentially? Mm -hmm. You know, they're like the little cracks in your relationship that you just want to manage before they get too big. Right. And so this is a big part of our story. And you've probably heard this before, but all the debt that we had when we got engaged, we saw that as a potential threat to the relationship. We knew that the statistics that money can lead to divorces, and we just didn't want to be a statistic. So we saw this as an opportunity to work on 
something before it really became a problem. And it was really finances in general. I mean, we saw money as being a potential problem for our relationship. We had already had like the smaller differences in our money mindset. Mm -hmm. And, oh, you want to spend this much going out to dinner, but I don't. You want to go to the opera. I don't want to pay for the opera. You want to, you know, (laughs) like those sorts of things. We already saw those challenges. And then when we had heard the statistic of divorce rates, we were just like, whoa, money could be our undoing. And I don't want to argue with you about a $30 meal. I don't want to argue about anything that we don't have to. And we thought to ourselves early on, the world's going to throw a lot at us. What can we control? Let's control what we can control. We can control our money. So immediately it went into this, let's look at our financial situation. All right, debt is a problem. Get it out. Yeah. Cut the cancer out. That really just started the financial journey for us. And by eliminating debt, we got so much better at managing our money. And it really accelerated everything that led to this moment and this podcast today. But yeah, it was the beginning of everything. Uh Identifying threats early on even comes down to just being able to express grievances with one another. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we're still learning and we're still getting really good at or better and better at. But being able to express when maybe the other person did something that made us upset and just bringing it to them pretty quickly before it turns into something that festers. Yeah, there's no reason to blow up about something if you can manage it immediately. Because it's when we're holding those things down and we're suppressing that feeling that it really starts to boil up and all of a sudden someone drops a fork uh, in the kitchen and all of a sudden becomes a whole thing. (laughs) But really it wasn't about the fork at all. We all have this metaphorical story somewhere in our relationship. And so by dealing with the the small problem, like my nose whistles, you might even hear it on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, the editing takes that out. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, really, it's just these little things that we know when we're in relationships, we have these little quirks, these little nuances, and we have to figure out how to cohabitate so that we don't just drive each other crazy. And so it's really important to just voice what's bothering you and work through it before it turns into something bigger. And the same goes for stating your own needs. I could tell Dylan, hey, this is this a thing you're doing that's bothering me. Okay, that that can be productive. Don't do that like a total jerk. But also me telling Dylan, hey, this is what I really need from you right now. And this has, again, been something that I continue to get better at, especially as I just am always looking to improve myself and learn more about myself. It allows me to communicate to you what I actually need. Right. And because you're not a mind reader. Exactly. So, I mean, you're setting your your spouse, your partner up for failure if you don't tell them what you need. You're going to be let down 100% of the time if you don't share what you want with them. You're just hoping they can read your mind and That's not fair. They can't. And you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Uh You're setting them up for failure and you're setting yourself up for disappointment. It's just silly. It's it's mind games. So that's really kind of three things in one, you know, almost. But it's like it's working on the relationship before it needs it. I state my needs so that you know what I need so that it doesn't lead to a fight. Or I state the small grievance instead of waiting for it to boil up into a a bigger problem. Yeah, don't wait for something to become a very obvious problem. Now we're talking about crisis and crisis management. And I think a lot of people, especially when they think about working with maybe a marriage counselor or coach or a financial counselor or coach, they think, well, I don't need to do that because things are quote unquote, okay, things are fine. And it's like, no, there's, there's room for improvement because things are fine, because when things are in crisis, you're surviving, you're not thriving. So we want to thrive. Yeah. So you can go instead of thinking like, oh, that's only foregoing from like 
bad to okay, it, what if you went from good to great? Exactly. Like that's, that's, that's a mind where we shift. hang. That's a mindset shift right there. It's just going from good to great is a whole different mindset shift. People are willing to pay to improve. And that's where I live. Like, <laughs> I mean, that just, it just is. Because I've intentionally lived my life in a way that like, I don't want to be in crisis mode anymore. I've done that. I've been there. I'm not going back. So it's all about good to great. Yeah. It's just about where can we go from here? The next thing that we've done to set our relationship up for success is to not do things that would create resentment in the future. We've really been intentional in thinking about if I were to do this, would I regret it? So we've been really good about thinking ahead and saying, is this going to be a problem in the future? The best example of this from our personal journey is how we chose to help each other pay off debt before we were married. Mm -hmm. Because we started, like we said, we started our financial journey once we got engaged and we are very much especially now as as actual professionals in this space, very much recommend that you do not combine your finances until you are actually married, until the ink is dry. And so we knew that back then as well. However, we wanted to figure out a way to leverage the dual income and to help each other to start reach these goals. But we also recognize that in the off chance that we broke up, that things didn't work out. We didn't want there to be a resentment that, oh my gosh, I paid off his debts. We didn't want there to be any of that. And so what we ended up actually doing was Dylan was paying off his particular debt. Then I would pay for the household expenses. So I would cover living expenses while he would aggressively pay off one small single loan, mm -hmm. you know, student loan debt. Or he would cover living expenses while I would take care of one of my student loans. Right, and we went back and forth on we this. We would volley it back and forth. So we combined all of our debts to figure out what debt we should pay off first and in what order. But then we took turns in, in the sense that while one person was paying off their specific debt themselves with their money, then the other person was taking care of living expenses. Right, because I never felt as though that if I walked away from this relationship or you walked away from the relationship, that if I had bought food for us, that I'd regret buying food. Exactly. But I would be, I might be upset if I had helped pay off a few thousand dollars worth of your loans. I'd be like, well, that seems like a waste of money. Yeah, we know that could be a little bit ridiculous, but the mind is weird and I just don't want to regret that. We had to buy groceries anyways and it worked out really well for us. So steal our strategy, absolutely, if well, I you're think in the, that situation. The lesson learned is talk about what might create resentment yes. and regrets in the relationship. It's like, hey, if we do this and it turns out this way, I think I'd be really upset about that. Yep. Always play out the negative scenario. People right. think that that's bad juju, and it's absolutely not. It you actually helps you confront in, it yeah, better. You need to go into decisions being highly informed yeah, and being aware of what's at risk and how things could actually go wrong. You got to stress test things. You're exactly right, Dylan. Talk about things where you think there could be space for resentment to grow in your relationship, and don't do them. Just exactly. Don't do them. Just don't do them. Just, <laughs> just, just, if you know it's going to create resentment, that sounds like a good thing not to do. Yeah, just don't do it. Yeah. Actually, I really like the next one a lot. And we we actually had someone on Instagram reach out to us and ask about something very similar to what we're about to talk about. And so this third thing that we've done is make sure that we let the other person in the relationship take opportunities that showed up in their individual life. Yeah, this is so critical to let your spouse do things that are just for them without this back end of what's in it for me. 
Yeah. You cannot do that. You really need to be able to let your partner maintain their individuality and do things that particularly interest them that don't involve you. Right. And a lot of times that involves putting money towards certain things that do not include you. Right. And so the biggest example we have of that was while we were living in Washington State, we were working with a really big, amazing guide service. And Dylan had the opportunity to go on a seminar at Denali. Yeah, I got to spend two weeks at the base of Denali and learn basically everything that was needed to climb the mountain. Which I joked around, is like how to live on a glacier without falling into a crevasse. How do you set up a camp without setting it up on a crevasse? How do you move across a glacier without falling into a crevasse? Like everything that it was involved with living on a glacier. It was a skill seminar. Yeah, it was a skill seminar. It was really cool. So Dylan had this opportunity come up. It really fell into our lap. And it was an amazing opportunity where because we worked with this guiding service so closely, he really was getting a crazy screaming deal on what it would cost. He pretty much had to just pay airfare, food, and your gear. Yeah. But programs like that are pretty pricey and it still cost us a couple grand. But the kicker was that we were still in debt. We were actively working our debt payoff plan. And so all of a sudden this huge opportunity came in and it was, there was one, it was only one seat and I was swamped with work. I could not pull away. Actually, things went to hell when you were gone. That is true. Things went horribly wrong. But anyways, uh, but we decided, I was just like, this is an opportunity that you can't pass this up. Again, if you had missed out on that opportunity, we would have regretted it. More so you than me. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I look back on this and- I pretty much about, made you go. Well, that, that's what I was about <laughs> to say is that I actually was like, I'm not so sure about this. And you, you're like, it was like a record scratch sort of deal. Just full on like, wait, what did you just say? You're not going to go. That doesn't seem right. You need to go. I was like, the money, we can deal with that. Right. You were like, we're working this plan and it's going really good. No, I can't spend that on me. And I was like, you have to go. We will make it work. And we looked at the numbers and we were like, this really doesn't set us back at all. Well, that was the thing. It was actually the opposite of saying, we've got this strategy. We've got to stick to the strategy. Because we had such a dialed strategy, we were able to look at it and say, okay, by spending a couple grand on this trip. We don't know how many times you're ever gonna get a chance to go to freaking Alaska for a fraction of the price. But we looked at that strategy and actually looked at the numbers and saw that it was only gonna set us back like a month. And so we got to consciously make that decision and say, that's absolutely worth it. And it was gonna be completely interest-free and use some strategies within that as well. But you're able to make those very informed decisions and say, hey, I can take that heat, I can deal with that, and you absolutely get a full permission to go do this once in a lifetime thing. Right, I think one of the most important pieces to this is how Rebecca responded to the whole scenario is that she was very encouraging that I should do this thing and that she never held it over my head. And she's like, you know that time you went to Denali? I'm pulling out the Denali card so I'm that- I'm cashing in, baby. Yeah, <laughs> it was never like that. You know, there have been opportunities that Rebecca had in her own personal life that she has taken advantage of. And so it's just, there's a life is going to have its own moments. You've had your own life before you got together and things will come up like bachelor or bachelorette parties or something like a climbing trip. Life has its own way of working things out. You might not be the one who has the opportunity today, but there will more than likely be an opportunity in your life showing up in the future. And so 
It's mostly being excited for the other person and just letting them have the, have their moment. Yeah, not being tit for tat. Don't have scorecards. Don't say, okay, if you get this, then what am I going to get? That's also a really quick way to spend unnecessary money if you just start looking for things to blow money on because your spouse spent money. That's not healthy. But things will totally work themselves out. What's really cool about it is if you meet your spouse with that same just encouraging, absolutely, how can we make it happen? Then guess what ends up happening? They mirror that back to you and they say, that's amazing. How can we make that happen? I'm so excited for you. Yeah. And so it just works out. Just don't worry about it. And so the fourth thing that we've done to set our relationship up for success is being intentional about quality time and dates. Really, a big thing that we've done is make sure that we actually schedule that time. Or at least we try to. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there are seasons where we don't do that and then it doesn't happen. Well, and that's the, the exact point is what we've learned is when we are intentional and we don't schedule the time, it doesn't happen. And recently... Rebecca's been great about making sure that we have something on our calendar each and every week. And I really appreciate that because I'm not good at it. Uh, I like to think that I'm good at winging things and I'm very much not. And so by Rebecca putting it on the calendar, we actually are getting our quality time together. And I, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a process. We're told schedule a date night and it's the same night every week. What just doesn't work for us? We tried the every Friday night and it just, it felt so forced to be on that night. And then also like, we don't like to go to restaurants because we cook better than most restaurants. We don't drink, so we don't go to bars. Once we realize, okay, this stuff just isn't working because it's not us. It's not how we like to spend our time. Mm -hmm. It's not aligned with our values. Then that was when we realized this is what dates look like for us. Our version of quality time is day dates. That's what we do. We're gonna go to bike this route. And this week we're gonna go climb here. And that week we're gonna go hike this trail. And while you're listening to this podcast, we're in a canoe in a we rainstorm. We're literally going to be in a canoe in a rainstorm. So, <laughs> so a beautiful date. It's gonna be such great bonding experience. But anyway, that's so much detail. But the point is you have to figure out how it works for you because winging it just doesn't. So you have to figure out a way to kind of plan to be a little spontaneous. Right. And the key is prioritizing it, right? Like we're prioritizing the relationship by getting it onto the calendar and saying, this is not something that is accidentally going to happen. Yeah, definitely. And we'll also end up just like working. So that's when it's really become even more and more important as as co-founders and working, building this business together. We will very easily just be like, well, we could work on the business. I think that's a great point because I think most households, if we're talking to married people, you're married, you're probably dual income, you probably, you might have some kids, you got a very, very full life. And so you think carving out an hour, do I really need that to go do something special with my spouse? Yes, you do. Yeah. You need to. We have a specific calendar actually for adventures and that's the day dates or camping or whatever we're doing. And so it's a whole calendar, it's a special color, so it's color coded and we throw those, those events on that calendar and it keeps us motivated. It keeps us really psyched. And so it's always, every time we look at that calendar, we see that's coming. I can't schedule anything for that time because that belongs to my husband. Yeah. And then at the beginning of every month, we sit down and we say, how much are we willing to spend this month on our adventures, on our day dates? Because we want to make sure that we give ourselves the permission to do things that aren't always free. 
Yeah. So just a couple weeks ago, we realized that actually summer was showing up in the Adirondacks. And so we're like, okay, good weather's coming. Let's get out because it's been raining all summer long and it's just been a mud fest. So what we did was we said, okay, let's give ourselves 300 bucks to schedule and book some adventures and go on some trips. So we booked a couple canoe trips. We booked... Um, we did a campsite. Mostly canoe trips. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we set all those things, that money aside. We made sure that we weren't going to stress ourselves out financially just to do this. Because I think that's another thing that people get about date night. They think that they have to spend a lot of money. And you really don't. You can do free all day. And we do a lot of free. Mm-hmm. What, however much you spend, you just need to make sure that you budget for it. Because it's going to suck. The date's going to suck if you're there. And you're like, that was so much money. Right. If you're thinking about the money when you're on the date, then you're not being present and you're not on the date. Yeah, exactly. And then finally, one of the best ways to, again, just make sure that this happens is to pay ahead or book the trip. So if you can put a reservation down and pay ahead for things to happen or you say, okay, we're doing a spa day. Yeah, we're going to totally pay for it before. Or when we quit our jobs, we booked an entire trip to Alaska before we quit our jobs to make sure that we would quit our jobs. So <laughs> it, yeah. so I mean, that's a really dramatic example, but it was a, ma- a way of us put, saying, Boom, money is spent. We have to do it. Right, because there's something to lose now. Like yeah. That's why you put money down. You bait yourself. Exactly. You're saying, all right, I've already committed, so I might as well show up. I don't want to lose out on this money. I might as well enjoy it. Yeah. I might as well enjoy it. <laughs> okay, and then the last way that we have set our marriage up for success was that we've prioritized our relationship over literally everything else very consciously. And it's not automatic at all. So that's why I say very consciously, because sometimes still catch myself like, nope, that was me. That wasn't for us. Let's recenter. But it's just so critical because for the most obvious example being money. Yeah. And that might be funny hearing that from financial coaches for couples. (laughs) But I hope that it also sinks in for you about how important that really is and like you just need to have your priorities right because you could be the richest person in the world but if you don't have a good relationship if you don't have a spouse who you have this amazing relationship with and marriage then who cares right yeah you can you know you can have all the money in the world but you can't buy a good relationship you you can't but you can have no money and have a great relationship yeah so and so I think it's it's just understanding that helps you prioritize things, whether there's money or not, but you just remember that money can come and go. Our relationship cannot. And so that's where I'm going to double down on my energy, not anything that has to do with money. We've also really done this. We've prioritized our relationship by overcoming our personal discomfort. Right. This is like checking our ego at the door, making sure that I'm not being selfish in the relationship. You know, which is is really hard when you get into a serious relationship, you have to put yourself aside and you have to stop thinking about just me. You have to start thinking about us. That's a whole different mindset. And you've spent your entire life not thinking that way. And now all of a sudden you do. And the interesting thing is the more that you pour into it, the more you get back. But you don't realize that until you've actually taken that leap of faith and you jump all in. Yeah, you really, it requires you to see the bigger picture of how if I do this self-serving thing right now, okay, maybe I'll come out in the positive in some ways, but in the long run, it could damage my relationship because I'm being selfish. So you have to zoom out and say, what's better for us overall, even if I have to make a little bit of sacrifice for myself, 
we're going to come out in a better position. And that's not saying that you need to have some martyrdom syndrome or anything like that. It's just a matter of, it really is checking your ego and saying, it's not all about me. How can we come together? And like you said, you actually do end up coming out net positive. Exactly. I mean, because when the relationship wins, you're you're winning. Yeah. Right. So that's really the most important thing. A good relationship means that you're in a good place. And you get to be as like, there's so much freedom in it. Like you get to truly be yourself. Yeah. Okay. And then also big for us, prioritizing our relationship over our business. Yeah. Which can be really challenging because I don't know about you, but Rebecca and I are both very strong-willed, feel like we can be right a lot of times. And so when it comes to a business, if you have a lot of strong opinions, you want things to go your way, but you have to say, wait a second. I need to check this. But also to anybody who's ever been an entrepreneur, and then now we're two in a relationship, being an entrepreneur is all consuming, or or at least it can be. And it's very easy, especially in those first couple years because we got started and then boom, COVID. And it was like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? I felt like any time that wasn't working was putting us at risk. And so it was really easy to overwork and to burn out and all this stuff. And we had to pull ourselves out of that and say, hey, that road leads nowhere. So Right, yeah. So. It's like you got to take the break from work because work will be there tomorrow, but we got to make sure that we prioritize us. Yeah, but it also meant that even when we would sit down for our business meetings, making sure that we were saying that our relationship is what comes first. It's, this business is an extension of us, but it's not like it isn't us. And so we needed to make sure that we always put that very first and foremost. We, w- we will literally say, you matter more to me than being right. And things like that. Yeah. And, and that goes into the idea that like we always would be very intentional about how we show up to everything. And so making sure that, you know, we show up to the meetings, we say, all right, this is how I want to show up. Yeah. And then, but then also back to that whole moving away from thinking about self to thinking about us, we're both a little pig headed. So (laughs) we've learned that either when we are disagreeing and we're not seeing things eye to eye, and we're both feeling really strongly about something, we will either take breaks or we'll just completely stop what we're doing and work through it so that we can get back to work. But it, we never just like keep arguing. It's like, let's unplug from this. Let's step away from it in one way or another and just like say, recognize what's happening so that we can change. Right. It's calling out the elephant in the room, which is not easy to do when you're having a disagreement with somebody. All of a sudden, you have to totally change your demeanor and the direction of where you want the conversation to go by saying, stop. This isn't right. I want to be different. I'd like this to go in a different way. Let's figure this out. Oh my gosh. And that could be a gazillion episodes in and of itself. How do you do that? Yeah. Because I think that's been something that I've been working on. I didn't even realize I could do that. I don't think until about three, four years ago. Well, we mentioned ego and pride and all that stuff earlier. You know, how many times you get in an argument and you want to just be right? Even when you know you're wrong. You know? No, I don't. Because I'm always right. So I don't know that feeling. And that's today's episode. Where's the last? (laughs) So as you can imagine, I'm a peach to work with. Thanks for listening to this episode. 
Uh, but yeah, that's something I've been working on for for a really long time. How do I stop an action in the middle of the action? How do I stop this thought when I'm in the middle of it? And really, it's like a runaway train sometimes when all of a sudden your ego really just takes over and you're just like, I'm right and they're wrong. And it's just all about self-preservation or reacting to things. And it could feel like a runaway train, but you actually can stop that. And you can do things like choose your mood and choose how you respond to things and all that sort of stuff. And it's just been the most fascinating journey. But when you're able to do that is when you're really going to unlock something special in your relationship. So if you can do that for your spouse. Right. Yeah. Because there's just you're going to find yourself in in certain patterns and they're going to repeat themselves. And if it's a negative pattern, if you can say like, wait a second, let's stop this one. That's great. So after seven years of being married or, or nearly seven years of being married coming up pretty soon and then 11 years together these are really five huge things that we've done for our relationship that have set us up for success and we think there's a lot of value here and there's a lesson for everybody who's listening today yeah so we'd be we'd love to hear from you as to which one of these five things really stood out the most to you what are some ways that you have set your relationships up for success and some things that you would like to share some wisdom you would like to share about having a successful marriage and what you think that's been attributed to. But just a recap of the five things that we talked about today. The first one being that we worked on our marriage before we needed to. Before things became a problem, we took a proactive approach to our marriage. Yes. The second thing that we did to set ourselves up for success was to not do things that would create resentment, which is pretty much the opposite of success. (laughs) So the third was encouraging each other to take opportunities and to do things for them without the thought of, what am I going to get out of it? Mm -hmm. The fourth thing that we did was being intentional about our quality time and date nights, making sure that they were actually prioritized so that they would happen. Yeah, putting both our time and our money into that activity. And then finally, the last one was prioritizing our relationship before everything else. Consciously remembering that what's most important here is our marriage, our relationship, not just getting what I want, not just stamping my feet and letting my ego take over, but remembering that what I truly want is a marriage that lasts and to support my partner and be there for my partner and vice versa. And when you prioritize that, you're just going to go so much further and all the other things actually become very easy. It's kind of like Jenga. You take that one out. And all the other pieces don't even make sense. So make sure that you prioritize your relationship above everything else. It is irreplaceable and it is the most valuable thing that you have. Yeah, that's great. So if you want to prioritize your relationship, you want to make sure that you're pouring into it. You're investing into your relationship so that you can have the marriage that you really want and be there for your partner and trust your partner and have your partner trust you. Just a reminder that our trust building workshop on September 26th is two weeks away. Again, it's completely free. So you have nothing to lose. And there's also going to be a lot of giveaways and things like that. Hit the link in the show notes so that you can register again, completely for free, limited seats available. We want to see you there. And we're so excited that you've decided to invest in your relationship. You will never, ever regret it. So until next time, I'm Rebecca. And I'm Dylan. And and we're we're Rad Rad Coaches. Coaches.